This is Peach's Castle, written by Patrick Vermillion, performed by Philip Kenner. Welcome back, folks. That was Richie Solway and the Somaliers. Their hit, Little Sinner, which some of you might remember, from the 2003 rom-com Ocean View, starring Renee Zellweger and Owen Wilson. Perfect for this damp, humid August night. Saw some lightning out there. Hope you're all staying safe on the road. Time is 1.42. Yep. Yep. I used to have the world record for Mario on the Nintendo 64. I could beat the whole game in less than three hours. And this was before people streamed, so I had to record it on my dad's camcorder and send it to a site called speedruns.com. I had to send them the video in the mail to get it verified because it would have taken like 10 years to upload it back then. But they got it and they gave me a certificate. I showed my dad and he had a trophy made that said Mario 64 World Champion. It was carved in and everything. I looked it up at some point and it wasn't cheap to do that, at least for us. He put the trophy in his office at work, which made me resent him when I was older, because I thought he was making fun of me, or that he thought, like, I wasn't capable of more, I guess, which maybe he was right. He loved me, though. He knew I was weird before I did. And he let me play a lot, even though it was probably bad for me. Now, the music from that game is in my head all the time. I have these dreams where I'm in Peach's castle, and everything is polygons, and the sky is a gray box, and there's just an emptiness to it all. Feels like it's haunted, kind of. Because they didn't have that much horsepower back then, or whatever, so you had all these worlds full of emptiness. That's what downtown feels like now. There's no one outside. Even before the pandemic, you don't see a soul. And when they do, they won't look you in the eye. Isn't that weird? We're gonna head to commercial, then Connor with traffic, and Leanne with the weather for your Lehigh Valley weekend. Real quick, as it is Thursday, I wanted to say this is the last episode of After Hours with Anthony. Next week, this slot will have reruns of The Morning Show. Sorry to disappoint anyone. I think the station realized that no one's really listening anymore, and they don't need a host from 1 to 4 a.m. So that's that. It was fun while it lasted. I asked if I could keep the recordings of the episodes, and they said they haven't been recording the episodes. So it's already dead in that way. You hear this, and then it disappears. These words have passed, it's already gone, it's already next year, and I'm already older and older. 
But yeah, commercial. Or, actually, I mean, I'm already fired. I can't say fired. I don't get paid for this. I have a day job. I volunteer here seven years. I'll be honest, I thought in that time, I thought that maybe someone would call in. I asked once and they said, you don't take calls. So I'd just give the station's number out anyways and hope that someone, ideally someone beautiful, would call in. And that we would meet and be in love, maybe. I know that's a crazy thought, but I like to think about beautiful people listening to me and calling. And we can talk on the phone while someone else listens to us talk. I think my voice is the most beautiful thing about me. I hope we find out who was on Epstein's planes before they kill G. Lane Maxwell. I hope I find love. I told someone who I thought was my friend that I wanted someone to fall in love with me before they ever saw me because I have really fucked up teeth and I think that stops a lot of people from ever knowing me. And that person told me I was a narcissist for saying that. I don't know what that means. We didn't hang out much again. It's hard to make friends here. There are too many cars and no places to sit down. I'll go to the movies by myself and I'll think again. I'll think maybe I'll see someone beautiful here or maybe they'll see me. I love that time in a movie theater on a night like tonight, late summer, middle of the week and there are just a few people there. I'm specifically thinking of seeing the movie Ted 2 with Seth MacFarlane from Family Guy. I had a very special time seeing that movie. There was a group of young people, like early 20s, who took up a whole row in front of me, and they laughed so hard the whole time. I've never seen people laugh like this. The movie wasn't even that funny, but they loved it. I remember walking out afterward into the swampy air and this dark parking lot, and they all hugged each other and went in their cars and drove away. It looked like a painting, seeing their rear lights disappear over the hill one by one, and I was just sitting on the curb in the parking lot watching. It was another one of those in-between spaces like Peach's Castle, where everything is alive and dead at the same time. I don't think any of those people remember me. I don't think they even saw me, but I think about them all the time. I can't help it. I really liked them. Everything's gotten so fucked up since then. I hope they're okay. But it's like my aunt said. Things don't change, but they don't stay the same. I never stopped playing Mario, by the way. I just can't really do the world record anymore. Kids got way too good at it. But I still play all the time. For me, I guess. I beat the whole game twice a month, every month. I like playing old games. They unlock memories, like time traveling. I remember exactly where I was all the times I beat Bomb on Battlefield. In my dad's house, above the garage. In my dorm room, while my roommate slept. In my first apartment, in Bethlehem, where my TV is right next to my bed. I remember being excited, and lonely, and sad. And I remember being different when I thought I was going to do something really special, or create something interesting. I feel like every single cell in my body has changed since then, and the people I used to talk to wouldn't know me if they saw me. 
it really is that thing where sometimes enough people don't look you in the eye. You really wonder if you are dead. And I think that's what this all feels like sometimes. Like I died years ago and now I'm in the dark parking lot watching everyone drive away. But when I turn around, I'm already in the castle. Take a left for Bama. Grab two stars. Beat Koopa the Quick. Then head to Jolly Roger before taking on Thwomp's Fortress and completing all six in one go. Get enough to get the fly cap. Then take Snowman Land and First Bowser. Head to the basement, shifting Sandland first, followed by Lethal Lava and Hazy Maze. Boo's Mansion last because it's the hardest. Grab the metal cap, drain the moat, and go through the invisible hat. Second Bowser level, upstairs, second snow world, wet, dry, tiny, huge, tall, tall, with the slide, then rainbow ride, where you're most likely to mess up TikTok clock, and final Bowser, roll end credits. Let the image blare, the sound repeat. Look outside. It's wet and hot and it's summer. And if you open the door and walk down the street and look in the houses, there's no one there. Everyone went somewhere else. It felt like the world had more people once. And was I always like this or did I make myself into it? And am I really only halfway through or do I really have that cancer I keep thinking I have? I'm not saying I deserve more or that my life isn't good, but I never got that trophy my dad made for me after he died and I lost the tape of me beating the world record. So, will anyone know I was here? And when they find my things, will someone play my Mario cartridge? And will they be able to, maybe, just from touch, see what I see? Will someone see my name on the start screen and think, I could have been like them? Everything leads to this, I think. Someone's listening, but they won't call. But they'll listen, and they'll remember me and my dad and the people who saw Ted too. That should be enough. I think that's okay. 713-555-6792. I liked being alive, even if it was a waste. I liked being here. I wanted more. Here's Leanne with the weather. And welcome to The, the Chef's, Chef's Monologue, Monologue, a podcast where we, your hosts, Phil Kenner, and me, Michael Wilder-Frizzell, invite our favorite writers to pick up an original short monologue based on a recipe that we provide. Then we interview those iconic writers about their process, thoughts on theater, film, TV, etc., and deliver it directly into your hungry ears. We are so very lucky to have on our show today, Patrick Vermillion. Patrick. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that's Please great. welcome into your ears. Oh, yeah. And a very Happy special a very special episode because we just heard our very own Philip Kenner acting his heart out. Oh, I could act this monologue every day until I fucking die. <laughs> Patrick, I'm obsessed with this. Oh, that's cool. I mean, we were talking about video games when we first met, which was only like three weeks ago, but mm -hmm. it was cool. Yeah. So 
Yeah, we, uh, you know, par- partially the inspiration. Definitely. Oh, well. Did you grow up playing Mario? Uh, is it Mario C- Castle? I'm sorry, I don't. Um, I'm just so embarrassed. I just outed myself. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's uh, I think, yeah, I was thinking about that, like, when I was, like, three years old, hmm. my dad had, like, a Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, some of my literal first memories are, like, me and my sister playing Mario 64. Nice. Um, and having, just, like, losing <laughs> I, I don't know, Phil, if you remember this, but like in that first level, you had to throw like King Bobum off the, yes. off the hill. Yes. He kept throwing him off, and he kept just coming back up. Yep. And we spent, we did like that for maybe literally a month. And oh my, my da- god. My dad was just happy that we were just occupied. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's like kids at a restaurant with an iPad level. Uh-huh. Like you just need to be doing something. Exactly. exactly um yeah, exactly. and if I remember correctly, in the plot of Mario 64 in that first level, the bombs are in a civil war with each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to like you have to like take a side and like help the side you sh- want to win. Yes, which is something I didn't really cuz I played it before I could read so I had no idea they were just making um, they were making those like cute little sounds and yelling at you yeah and we were like sure sure and then yeah you come back and read it much later and you're like this is dark yeah this yeah the whole game is the whole is like what the hell is happening yeah. I feel like my favorite one of my favorite uh, bits that Phil does is talk about the politics of Pokemon of Pokemon um, oh god I'm gonna to go really it, like, if I wasn't already a nerd on this podcast here I am in Pokemon Legends Arceus you are like fully a colonizer <laughs> oh yeah and you're yeah. like responsible for like going into the wild and like taming a species that is hostile to you because they don't want to be tamed it's like about the invention yeah. of the Pokeball <laughs> and it's like the Pokemon will try to hurt you if you try to catch them it's like yeah because they're wild animals anyway it's a bizarre it yeah. does not help the mythology of the of the game. I mean, we could get into it. I mean, there's so many <laughs> questions because in the Pokedex, they're like, this is a dog-type Pokemon, but you never see a dogs. <laughs> right. Exa- you know what? That's so true. Yeah. In the Pokedex, it's like, this is like a dog. And in the rules of the world, it's like, a what? Yeah. <laughs> They I mean, don't have those. Isn't there there's a god Pokemon as well? Like you meet and oh, like, yeah. you oh, yeah. gods. Yeah. There's a couple gods. There's yeah. Pokemon, the there's like gods. a full god, there's like a space god, time god, there's like a shadow world god, a nightmare god. It's yeah. terrifying. And there's like a there's like a cup of tea too. They're all Pokemon. Yeah, a possessed cup of tea. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, this podcast is about high art and theater. And video games yeah. are high art. This is, I'm not being ironic when I say that. Um, but let's get back on track. God damn it, Patrick. <laughs> what were you doing today before you came here? Um, oh, yeah, I was at work, and then I had a little bit of time. So I was up here already. So I went, I biked up to the Baha'i Temple. Nice. Yes. Which um, is so beautiful. Uh, and there's always some, like, freaky people around there. Mm. Not, uh, maybe we should cut that. I don't want to mean to, 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 to imply that the people of Baha'i faith are freak, freaky. I just mean you that there's your like first listeners, Patrick Baha'i. Yeah. I just mean there's like some kids fishing on on the on the creek and stuff. And it's an, it's also just like this bizarrely like beautiful building that is just in the middle of the northern Illinois suburbs. Yep, it's like welcome to Wilmette. Here is a gothic. Yeah. structure here is the duomo of florence yeah. it's also wilmette illinois exactly yeah and there's only six of them in the world mm-hmm. and they're all in like these crazy like massive cities and then just wilmette yeah which i love yeah it's so bizarre yeah but it is i mean it is stunning in those gardens and it was so nice out today it was a really beautiful day mm. 
Okay. I love that you went there and you did that today. I had a good time. And then I was listening to uh, the, the new 1975 song, which I really like. Um, and there's also a new Sky Ferreira song. Yes. These, these are the only two songs I'm listening to right now. So I was just putting them on back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely i mean that's what summer is is finding like the two Mm -hmm. three songs that you like for that Uh three month period and listening to them on repeat as you drive somewhere relaxing and fun and yes and deciding like every time i listen to the song i will just have to remember this year for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. yeah oh that is so true oh my god it's like how i can't hear the song goodbye when they did the remix like na 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 hey hey, hey, goodbye you know that song yeah that came out in like 2000 and like 10 or 2009 or something i was at like a i was at a, like a sports day camp i'll never forget mm. that yeah what is that about music because it's digestible or what is it that like uniquely i feel like it is so powerful to like like i this, i know exactly this i think people know exactly this and i don't know what you're talking about you hear that song and you're like i am suddenly at, at summer camp or i'm suddenly transported back in a way that other art maybe Patrick what mm-hmm. is it maybe the digestibility of it or it's the I don't know there's something about the I yeah I think it's like the combination of the the sound and like the specific smells of summer mm. you yes. know because I feel like one thing won't make you trigger that memory but if you have two like if I smell like like the particularly like humid like mm-hmm. gross trash smell that summer has mm-hmm. and i'm also listening to kid cuddy i'm like oh cool i'm in high school yeah wow yeah. oh my kid cuddy oh my god there's a certain this is super vulny on the pod but i there's like a certain tree smell in the summer that reminds me of my first boyfriend mm. and it it's it is shocking the immediacy with which that sends me back to high school. Oh I'm like, God. <gasps> oh my God, I'm back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, summer is summer is an intense time of remembering. <laughs> Patrick, what <laughs> inspired you to write this? Talk about your process of writing this monologue. Um, I got your recipe, which was sick. That was really fun. I like anything with parameters. I feel mm-hmm. like it makes you more creative because you're just like, oh yeah, I got to put this in, mm-hmm. got to put a little bit of that. Uh, and I think we were talking about, because I was, I think this is literally from your graduation party, Mike, mm. um, which is that okay to say that you graduated on Mike? Um, but you did. Uh, and I mean, the, the, the <laughs> diploma hasn't come in the mail yet, so yeah. all, for all intents and purposes, I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah you're at, we were at that party and we were talking about, um, Phil, you and I were talking about like how we live close to each other, we found out, and that we both like enjoy uh these games um at the same time like i was recently replaying uh these old nintendo 64 games because they just came out on the switch and i was like really shocked by the same kind of thing this memory like i was playing mario 64 and i was like wow why do i all of a sudden have this like weird memory of my dad coming down the stairs that i haven't thought about in like my mm-hmm. whole life mm-hmm. and i realized that there's something kind of interesting when you're in control of like the thing that you're replaying, it's different than like just rewatching something because mm-hmm. when you are moving, it's like a more lived in memory. Mm-hmm. Um, a physical uh, yeah. component. Yeah, and so, oh, shit. yeah, so I've been playing these like N64 games and like unlocking parts of my past that I have like completely blocked off that I did not even mm-hmm. realize I had. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, they also have like Ocarina of Time on there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
and uh, I was playing the part where you you're leaving the forest, and I just all of a sudden had this image because I broke my mom's table. Like I guess it must have been the day that I did that, because I just all of a sudden remembered that and like was overcome with a wave of guilt to the point where I had to call my mom for the first time uh, since I saw Hereditary, which is the other thing that made me call my mom. Um, <laughs> pieces of art that make you like call your parents and say you're sorry. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, so then, yeah, I, I was interested in just exploring that. Um, wow. And especially through uh, the way you and I were talking about it, Phil. It was fun. Um, oh, the other thing is, like, I do watch people speedrun Mario 64. Yes. And it's particularly weird because the, the I think, like, the world record person right now was not even alive when it came out. Wow. He just picked it up as, like, a speedrunning sport. And it's really weird to think of the game deconstructed in that way, mm. that, like, something made one way can be deconstructed into a completely different art form that mm -hmm. I'm then also watching. Right. Um, yeah. What is the what is the attraction for speedrun? What's what's enjoyable to watch about? You know, this is great. Okay, so I was reading this book on this thing uh, called inner passivity, which is the idea that people get enjoyment out of delegating other things for people to enjoy. Like say that again. The, so the the prime example that the author gives in the book is like. Like you, you can buy a beer for yourself and drink it, and you're mm -hmm. like, that, that's good. Mm -hmm. But if you buy a beer for someone else and mm -hmm. they and they drink it, and they're like, that was a really good mm -hmm. beer, you feel like right. much better. Sure. Wow. So, inner passivity. Yeah. So there's like a thing where I think, especially us as adults, like we don't have as much time to play video games, mm -hmm. um, especially if the new ones that come out, no matter how much we want to. So if you go online and you watch someone else play a video game and they're having so much fun, and you're like remembering the time that you we're playing a video game and having fun when you had more time in your life. Sure. That is almost as enjoyable, if not even more enjoyable than doing it yourself, right. especially if they're really good at it. Like right. these, right. Uh, these uh, Mario wow. speedrunners. Yeah. It's, and there's something a little bit sinister when I think of like in terms of YouTube, like, you know, I, the, in my mind, the classic example is like watching people unbox something or like eat meals, right? That's oh, like yeah. a whole thing. It's like this weird 21st century late capital, like, I, I am unable, I don't have time, I don't have, you know, I'm so indebted and overworked and stressed that I don't have time to actually eat and enjoy meals, but I'm yes. going to spend five minutes, 20 minutes on watching somebody else uh, enjoy a meal. And there's yeah, something totally. sinister, but there's also something, I think, the, 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 the non-sinister end of that is like, yeah, I think that example with the beer is really clear, clear in my mind. There's something, there's this gift. I'm, I'm sort of watching you, I'm watching this person enjoy something, and that and I, I sort of, ha maybe that's the, the, in my mind as I'm thinking out loud, is like, that's the sort of break. It's like, if I give a gift to somebody and they enjoy it, I have agency. But if I'm on YouTube, then it's, it's so, so removed and I have no, you know, that's kind of. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but like on Twitch and stuff where it's live and someone's playing like an old game for the first time, you'll see people in the comments being like, well, you have to get this weapon from this place. Mm. Like there's taking enjoyment from the idea that they're the experts on it, mm -hmm. which I feel like comes down to the same thing as like when you show someone a movie that you really like and they love it, or you're showing someone a game you really like and they like, or a song right. and so on and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It confirms that you were right to have liked it in the first place. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And that thing you said about the video games activating memories in a way that's different from a movie or a song because you were an active participant in it the first time is fascinating to me. And I mm. never thought about it that way. You know, there are these like 
especially third-person games like a Mario game, like 64 or like Sunshine or Galaxy, you know, you are sort of practicing and projecting. Like you are seeing a version of yourself, which is Mario, mm -hmm. but it's from a camera angle, which is never really revealed mm -hmm. to you. And so you're like, it's this exercise in projection. And then you get to watch it do its thing. It's like you are in that world essentially because you're projecting yourself into it. So then when you return to that world, you're like, oh, this world has not changed. Mm, like totally. so much about me has changed. Like in mm -hmm. your monologue, the character says, all my all my molecules have changed. If someone saw me from years ago, they wouldn't even know who I was. Mm. And that is untrue about video games. It's like Mario in 64 always looks the same in 64. Yeah. In Sunshine, Flood will always have the same gadget attachments. Like you will always have the same thing. If I open my Pokemon Diamond game from 2009, 2010, mm -hmm. whatever, like my Empoleon will still be there waiting for me. Like there is a certainty to it mixed in with this like world building and this projection and memory development. And it's just like, it's fascinating, especially yeah. in terms of like emotions and um, I said this already, but I said this already. But forming an identity, um, fascinating. Yeah. I could talk about video games for forever. No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. Um, I I totally agree. I f I feel the same way. Like when I go back, it's weird because um, you know, I think we like to hypothesize about making choices differently if we like go back in the past. You know, mm -hmm. sure. everyone like has an idea. Like, well, if I was like in my high school body, what would I do? Right. But when I go and play, like, uh, a video game where you, like, make a choice, like a Fallout or something, mm -hmm. and there and I make the same choice every time mm -hmm. because I just – I was like, <laughs> well, I know what happens if I make this choice. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I only have so much time, so I'm going to play it this way. That makes me think of um, – I, my video game, I, I didn't grow up playing N64s. I played computer games, and I played oh, Civilization III. I don't oh, know if you played yeah. that mm. one. Yes. But Civilization III is a strategy-based game where you sort of fought, fought, you know, you lead a civilization from its foundations to kind of the future. But to that point of, like, I, I have a, a sort of plethora of options in this game. I can, I, can make, I can declare war. I can kind of do all these things. And I know how to beat the game at this point. Um, and every time I beat the game in the same way. And I know yeah. there's alternatives, but, like, I'm not there to, like, win by diplomacy. I'm there to nuke everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, I come out of the podcast. Are you nuke oh, 100%, everyone. yeah. Wow. ICBMs, like, um, <laughs> oh, de God. Oh, God. Uh, despotism into, into the Please 2000s. stop listening. <laughs> so this is like, turn this off. Is, yeah. But um, I, that's, I think that's right. There's, uh, but I also wanted to ask, so we're talking about video games, but th there seems to be something that you both are getting at that's, that this is unique to video games in the way that you can't revisit an old movie or it doesn't have the same effect. So I'm interested in that. Like like in the ways that maybe because you have agency when you play video games or there's something there's something there that seem, you both are saying like you're putting your finger on something. This is unique to video games. Well, it's it's like Phil was saying it's like the avatar you're controlling is moving through these same environments mm -hmm. whereas it's a little I feel like it's harder I think you can definitely get that experience with the movie or especially a book if mm -hmm. you like go if you like read a book in a car ride for the first time, and then you do the same later, mm -hmm. and you don't get car sick. But um, <laughs> or um, I'm trying to think like for movie wise, like it's it's much harder I think because you usually see a movie for the first time in a theater, mm -hmm. yeah. or you see it like with a certain person, and unless you recreate that exact experience, it can be hard to kind of unlock that. Um, that being said, I think that. I have watched like old TV shows before and definitely like a f like 
realized, I was actually saying this today, I watched um, an episode of The Boys during the pandemic. Nice. Which I forgot about completely. Like I watched the episode, was like, okay, I've watched this episode and like went on with my life and had somehow completely, it had left my mind that I'd ever seen this. And I had for years been like, I've never seen an episode of that. And then the other day, uh, my partner was like on the couch and she was watching that episode and I walked in and I like after five minutes was like wait a minute I've seen this before <laughs> wow in its entirety um, wow and all of a sudden I was like whoa it's April 2020 uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, yeah so not a time we want to yeah. do this <laughs> yeah god it's I it's sort of it's relevant to say that during that time I had gotten a long a long story given that I love video games but I didn't get a switch for a while after it was released because college and all that stuff but yeah, yeah. um it came to be that I didn't play Breath of the Wild until February 2020. Whoa. I only started it then. And how lucky I was in this weird <laughs> way because I only, you know, I did like two hours of it or whatever and it was amazing. And then I put it down and then the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. And so I played Breath of the Wild for the first time during the pandemic. And it getting to enter the most beautifully rendered video game world ever created, which is that game. Um, was not only a life-changing experience, but I think, like, honest to God, saved a good portion of my mental health mm-hmm. during, like, one of the hardest times for everybody sure. on this planet. Yeah. It's funny. It, I'm just now thinking, and uh, I guess this would have been February. No, it would have been April of 2020. I had moved. I had fled the city. It was like my, my, my birthday is March 23rd, and it was like I had this big birthday bash planned, and... I was going to go to karaoke and do this whole thing. And it was like, as the weeks leading up and the days, and suddenly it was like, I have to leave Chicago because I may not be able to leave because lockdown was happening. And then I got to, I was in Charlottesville, Virginia. And one of the first things was I got an old uh, Windows laptop that a teacher was using. This is so overly complicated. But the point is I downloaded Civilization 3 and I played that fucking game for a week straight. Like Heron, my fiance, would go off to work and like be an adult. No, she wouldn't go off to work because it was, holy shit, what would I, I was just ignoring her or something. I'm sure, oh no, I'm, no. I'm sure you were present. No, 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 I mean, yeah, I mean she, whatever. And she very likely needed some distractions of her own. Think, yeah, Everyone, no, no, like, she was, you know, she was, because they were doing, um, it doesn't matter, she was working. But like, the point is, it's like, in in that time of incredible strife, I, I sort of found solace in this video game, so. Yeah. Um, we have to move on. We have to. We have so, to ask yeah. you. No, this is so delicious. Yeah. I okay. We're going to ask you to reveal your secret ingredient. Oh sure. Um. So what was the thing in your monologue that you included that we didn't know about? Um. I wanted to do someone who wasn't sure if they were alive or dead. Um, oh. oh, I love that. Oh my god. I that's love great. that. Yeah. That. Yeah. It, that's just like that's fun to do it in general. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because then you, as a listener, like this is this narrator. It's an audio. It's an audio fiction. So this voice is the only one the audience <laughs> is going to get. So if this voice is unsure if they're alive or dead, the audience maybe will wonder: Is that true? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fun. Um, and in a back-to-back double whammy bit move, <laughs> we now are so excited to hear your one-minute stand. And this is where we give you an untimed minute. You can go over if you want. We won't oh, time nice. you. Um, to shout out someone living, dead, famous, not yet famous, who you think is just the best. So without further ado, Patrick Vermillion's One Minute Stan. Sure. Um, So I was at school at the same time as this director named Hamid, 
Degani, who I believe just directed um, Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo here at the Wurtz Center. Um, and this is a guy who I think is legitimately one of the most interesting theater directors working um, or beginning to work in the American landscape. Like he is from Iran originally and he has done a ton of work there. And I had the fortune of collaborating with him right before the pandemic. Um, I actually just wrote like this thing for like an application for him and me where I was like, listen, we've been trying to collaborate for years, but this pandemic got in the way. Um, but we did a Zoom collaboration and then he, yeah, he's since directed Bengal Tiger here. Before that, he directed Eurydice. Um, and I think this is the highest compliment I can p play is that uh, I truly did not get Eurydice, like the Sarah role play, before I saw Hamid's production of it. I I mean, it's, it's also a play that you really have to see because I read it and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, but then I saw the way Hamid rendered these characters, that he rendered expressionism mm. in a way that was so moving and so beautiful and so like coordinated. And this is also like, I know how low the budgets are in student theater. And both times he has made these uh, completely um, innocuous um, moves that just come out of nowhere and blow up what you think theater is capable of. I, wow. So I, did I, I don't know if either of you saw Bengal Tiger, but um, uh, they both nodded yes, they have seen it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you from the, so in his production of Bengal Tiger, the idea is that like at first they are so, these people are like really focused on their goals. Um, and as the play goes on and their mental state begins to deteriorate, mm -hmm the framing of the play, like there's this giant frame around the stage begins to like shatter to the point where by the end, everything in the stage is just like in the air and space. Wow. Like it's completely mm. broken apart, which like completely also resembles how the characters are feeling at that time, which is that they're completely broken. Mm. They've completely lost sight of how they're feeling um, or what they're even trying to do, what their hopes and dreams are. Um, and they've all done unspeakable crimes that they can never forgive themselves for, mm -hmm. which is great because it's a play about America's involvement in I Iraq. So mm -hmm. it's like, um, it's perfect. Uh, but really, I think what I really like about Hamid is that he is a person who um, can tell me like exactly what he wants from writing mm -hmm. um, and specifically that he kind of wants to break the barriers as we know it of like what American theater is doing right now, which is to say that a lot of American theater is like very good, mm. um, but he wants to make it a lot more physical, a lot more violence and a lot mm -hmm. more um, action oriented. Um, mm. and, and action, I mean like he wants to, he wants every, uh, scene in a play to permanently alter the state of the characters and then we keep moving forward and mm. follow them from there. Yes. Um, I believe actually he is helping on the production of Dance Nation right now, Yes, which is perfect for him. And I, I know he will be like super famous. So I had to give him a shout out here. Oh my God, amazing. His name one more time. Hamid Degani.
Hamid Degani. Yeah. This episode will likely come out in the fall. Okay, so cool. Dance Nation at Northwestern's Wirt Center with the MFA actors has already happened, but keep an eye out because he's likely doing something else incredible and fantastic. Yeah. Patrick Vermillion, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, Philip and Michael. I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed being here. It was really fun. Um, and thank you for letting me act my butt off. That oh. was so much fun. <laughs> um, and of course, as always, a huge shout out to our incredible producer, <laughs> Bennett Pack, in the booth. Um, icon, superstar, celebrity, um, professor, scholar, gentleman. Indeed. Um, this was Peach's Castle, written by Patrick Vermillion, performed by the one, the singular, Philip Kenner. That's right. Thank you so much for listening, and see you next time on The Chef's Monologue. <laughs>